shot first. Come on, grab your friends. We're gonna talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Oled and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. Uh, so Andrew. Yes, Connor. <laughs> Have you ever thought about how like old Ben uh, had the like the floating droid at the beginning of uh, well, not necessarily the beginning, but uh, when they're on their way to like Alderaan. You know, yes. and Luke's doing his whole thing. He's, he's like, I can't see anything but the blast shield down and all that happy stuff. Did he ever, like, did Han just have that lying around or did, like, Ben steal that from the temple? Like, he's like, look at all these murdered younglings. I better take this hovering ball. Like, you know, like, what's the deal? That's an excellent question and one that I don't think can be easily answered. I mean, I like to think that, um, you know, he... It, like his little chest, his little hope chest that he has, yeah, uh, that had uh, Anakin's lightsaber in it and everything. I like to believe that that's where that ball came from. True, but who knows? I mean, maybe it was just like Han was like. I mean, maybe it was it had a different purpose for Han. That's also true. Maybe he was trying it to was like, like scam his way in somehow. Yeah, it who was knows? like a. Uh, it was like a. Uh, I don't know an anti. Uh, burglary system for the falcon that's actually not a bad idea i like that yeah it would just float around and just pester people until they would be like okay it's not worth it (laughs) i won't steal it i won't steal the cargo he'll come up to him and go uta puta everybody hello and welcome to greedo shot first my name is connor i'm andrew and we're here to talk star wars all things star wars and anything even freaking related to star wars and uh, today we Especially got Especially Luke's training ball. Uh, yeah, Luke's training ball. I don't know why, but that was like, like I was at the forefront of my brain for whatever reason. But we got an exciting topic today. We are going to do a book review on Star Wars, Darth Plagueis. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I am very hyped about it because, uh, you know, I, I think ever since you and I started really talking in earnest about, you know, doing this podcast and just talking about books in general, because... You were always the book reader, you know, in the friendship. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, you know, next thing you know, I started listening to audiobooks every day. And they, they mean, it just so happened around that time, Darth Plagueis came out and I just lost my collective poop over it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's a great book. And I'm just so happy that you finished it now. And then we can dive deep and cut this sucker in the middle and just see what, you know, makes it so good, you know. And you know. thought they smelled bad on the outside. I know those freaking mutants, man. <laughs> oh. But um, I mean, to start off, we should we should uh, catch up on a little bit of uh, you know Star Wars news, if you will. So you know, it's as we said before, it's a new year. Yes, and yes, it uh, is. there's a uh, you know it, we're going to be seeing a lot of exciting stuff this year, and uh, you know it's already um, it's already been picking up in the way of like interesting news so far. Yeah. So uh, for starters. Uh, Star Wars Resistance, the uh, the new cartoon show that they mm-hmm. have, it's actually been renewed for a second season. Yes, it has. Yeah, and I, I mean it, they're only uh, they're only at, like a handful of episodes into the first season, and they only just premiered like the mid season trailer, you know, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to see that that's picking up some steam. Are you like, have you been keeping up with it at all? <clears throat> I have actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and it's you know again, as they said at the beginning, and as. I said when we talked about when it first premiered, like it definitely has just a kid vibe. Oh yeah, for um, sure. You know, I think like so the mid-season finale was pretty good. It was like it kind of raises the stakes. Um, you know, so we actually get to see Kaz, who's like the protagonist of the show, 
like on a mission with Poe for the entire episode. Ooh, okay. Um, and we even get some cameos by like Phasma and um, and just like they actually come head to head with the First Order. Ooh. Um, in a pretty interesting way. See what I like about this is they didn't go for the um like the force sensitive side of it yet. Right. I yeah. say yet. Yeah. Because, I mean, inevitably, it's going to have to fall into that <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's not to knock what, like, you know, Rebels did. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Rebels just worked as it was. And, like, you know, Kanan, like, when you first see him, he's just this rogue, smuggling, gunslinger kind of guy. And the next thing you know, he has a lightsaber. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, he's he's a rogue Jedi in a way, or something like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, Ezra has the Force, too. And it's like, well, what the, you know, what yeah. the hell? Well, and if, yeah, and I think to, the biggest thing to me is like, and, you know, again, I'm only, I'm not, I'm, so I've advanced to a little bit less than halfway through season two. I've watched a few more episodes since oh. we last spoke. Ooh, um, okay. But I'm not that far, much further along anyway. I mean, you're uh, long enough to know that it's just like, they just immediately say like, oh, yeah, you have the Force, by the way. Yeah, and not only like do they just say, oh, yeah, you have the Force. It's also like, and you're like way more capable of doing stuff than Luke Skywalker, the most powerful Jedi who ever lived. It yeah. was at the same point. And he actually had like a Jedi master training him instead of like a Jedi apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> Basically a Padawan. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, honestly, if you want to, if you want to like give credit where credit's due, I think the length of time that the mentors were around is a lot more different. Well, sure. You I know? mean, that's, that's actually to go back to that scene that we kind of opened with. Oh, with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of debate about like how, you know, how much time actually elapses between when they leave Tatooine and when they arrive in the Alderaan system. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to speculate on this a little bit further, like when it comes to hyperspace, a lot of people just kind of think it's right there. Yeah. You, know, you leave Tatooine and you end up at Alderaan, right? Yeah. Or point A to point B in a matter of seconds. Yeah. And I mean, in a way it's kind of that way, but it, I mean, it, at least in the novels that we've read and like, you know, collective other stories in the outside universe, you know, it could take up to, you know, a series of weeks sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And and the whole fact of the matter is that you have to travel through hyperspace lanes mm-hmm. that are well documented and they know that, you know, there shouldn't be any debris or anything um, that would cause, you know, catastrophic, you know, death. Basically. Yeah, so no asteroid fields, no black holes. Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a very meticulous way yeah. to travel. Yeah. So you actually have to, like, you know, navigate from point A to point B to point C and. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, think about the Kessel Run. Yeah. The whole idea behind it was that you had to make small hyper jumps to like certain points in that thing just to avoid all the death and destruction that surrounded Kessel. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. so I mean, it's it's kind of I think like the general theory now is that it was probably a couple days. Oh yeah. Or so, uh, you know, between when, um. You know, you know, they blast off from Tatooine, and when they actually arrive in the Alderaan system, that's fair. I mean, I honestly would believe that, but but, but nonetheless, like you know, at least in terms of Luke and Obi Wan, we're talking about a couple of days of mentoring, and and who knows how long he was really on, how long Luke was really on uh, Dagobah with with Yoda. Yoda, yeah, it's probably I, days or weeks at yeah. best. Honestly, if you think about it, at that point, like Last Jedi and Empire kind of have that back to back thing because it's like. Luke goes off to do his own thing, right? Yeah. As Ray would go off to do her own thing, mm-hmm. and then it's the other, 
you know, B plot is Han and Leia and everybody else on the Falcon running away from the Empire, yes. right? Yeah. And there's no real time frame on how long they're actually running away to, you know, from Hoft all the way to um, the Cloud City, like the Bespin system. Uh-huh. And so that could be, like, explained. It's like, well, he was only there for a few days as well. But at the same time, it's like... I don't know, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because there's all. I mean, I've I've heard I've heard reports about like how you know even though Luke and Leia are twins, there's a theory that like with the stretch of time that is hyperspace and something like that, Leia becomes a bit older than Luke because of like the lapse in time itself. Yeah, you heard that? I have heard that. That like, yes, for all intents and purposes, they're the same age. Yeah, you know, like by galactic standard years, they're the same age. But the effects of traveling through hyperspace are such that Leia is older. Because uh, it arrives at a certain time. Or yes. Something like that. Yeah. It's it's just how the way that's the way the galaxy rolls, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's not like so obviously apparent that they would be the same age. Yeah. Fair or, enough. Or it's also just George Lucas had zero intention of making that <laughs> a thing until he was like oh you know what it might be too complicated to actually introduce the character that was going to be the other skywalker yeah so let's just retcon this character that's convenient well yeah and this is the point where all the dirts were coming to um in scene 14 of uh you know let's like start breaking down all the brass tacks and we're the nerds right now doing that yeah but regardless like you know we can take a grain of salt and you know make a pillar out of it at this point yes you know what i mean Yes, um, pyramids of salt. Oh yes, uh, we're getting right. ready for the winter here. Oh god, yeah. So yeah, we're uh, we're <laughs> we're we're trying to cash in on this uh, pod before the the year the yearly snow is coming our way. So yes. which will probably let us down like most of the mo- most snow in recent years. Oh for sure, yeah. Uh, but I mean, who knows? You know, maybe we'll just be you know maybe you guys are listening to this and snowed into your house this Saturday or whatever, and you yeah. know. Thank you for listening, if that's yes. the case. You yeah, know. exactly. You have Thanks many for, o- options for entertainment, and we're glad you chose us. Yes. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah, but, I mean, anyways. All right, anyway, Star Wars Resistance. Get back to it. <laughs> the thing I liked about it is the fact that they don't, they, you know, they don't try and overshadow the whole idea of Force-sensitive beings. It's just a straight spy game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. the Kaz, the main character, is more of a racer and a pilot than anything else. And that's always an exciting thing. I mean, that's why yeah. everyone loves Han. Yeah. And you it's know? actually, I mean, to me, that's actually a really interesting kind of dichotomy. They haven't, you know, I don't know how much time he always spends, like, spying so mm-hmm. much. But, like, it's really interesting that you have this kind of very brash out there kind of personality yeah and then you're like trying to pigeonhole him into this role of being a spy it's 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 a bit it's a bit wonky i'll give you that but i mean it if it works it works right yeah i mean i think i saw this in in just like an episode recap from somebody from some entertainment site and it was like you know like resistance has been getting better like the story like as they've kind of added in new folds and new wrinkles. Yeah. But the problem is, is that it kind of keeps revealing that like Kaz might be one of the least interesting parts in the series. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that's, that's still to be seen. Yeah. You know? So maybe they're going to have to make him to a jet into a Jedi too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope <laughs> to not. pick things up a little bit. No, I don't think they will. I mean, I think they have introduced a couple, like a pair of characters or at least one character in particular who might be force sensitive. Right. Um, but they're very much a background character that you kind of forgets even on like like is an option on the show. Fair enough. So, but even in that vein, like that would kind of help to explore the idea that you know 
Luke is out there making this temple at the time, like mm-hmm. he might actually have, you know, a, a, a cadre of like young Jedis that he's actually training. Yeah. And that's something that's still yet to be explored. Mm-hmm. You know, even the early days of Ben when he's in his training and everything like that. So that's stuff that I'd be excited to, you know, hear about yeah. through, through whatever does Maybe indeed happen. Not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, to, you know, to move on a little bit from that, a um, little more uh, Mandalorian news. Nothing too exciting, you know. They they basically just put out an update that said that the Mandalorian will officially be an eight episode run. Yes. And uh, each episode will be roughly about forty to forty five minutes long. Yeah. And uh, which, I mean, I have to say, when you actually start breaking it down that way, like you know, I was originally conceiving of it as you know maybe ten episodes. Yeah. And closer to an hour each. Yeah. Which would be about ten hours worth of new Star Wars content. Oh, hey! But now, yeah. But Maybe. now we're like kind of down to closer to six hours. Which I mean, I'm not disappointed, but I'm just thinking like it's going to be pretty lean. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, you know, they they could have like a basic story to work with, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, this is honestly the same way it works with a lot of shows. You know, you get like a certain amount of sh- like episodes, see how it goes, and then yeah. you just move on from there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's almost like it's a whole pilot series. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and then they'll kind of see where where the fan base is at with it. And well, I mean, you hear a lot of that like with the, like the Netflix shows, like the Marvel shows, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them, like when they first came out, like you know, everyone was giving crap for like Iron Fist, and Luke Cage, and yada yada yada, because it's like this character you cannot stretch their story out thirteen episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I actually give like Disney credit here for kind of being like, no, let's do a little bit tighter story and just bring it everything together. Yeah. And for that matter, it might not be like a, you know, a planet jumping kind of story. It might all take place on one planet for all we know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as far as we know, like it kind of seems like they are kind of, you know, that it's going to have a little bit of a smaller feel to it. Yeah. But it'll still be good. I know, I know that they're going to do some kind of justice to it, you know, with any kind of case of that. But I wanted to add a little fun fact into this. Okay. Uh, last time we actually talked about the Mandalorian, I brought up the fact that Nick Nolte was casted. Mm-hmm. And I heard, you know, kind of recently. I mean, this is maybe a month or so ago now, but we I have we haven't had we haven't talked about it. Uh, apparently, the character he's going to be playing is none other than an Ugnaught. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, for anyone who doesn't know what an Ugnaught is, uh, watch Empire Strikes Back, and yeah. whenever uh, C three PO is going into the chopper and Chewie comes to save him, those little creatures. That are like throwing his body around, essentially. Those are Ugnaughts. Yeah. And yeah, so, the ones that are like playing monkey in the middle with Chewbacca. Yeah. With the, 3PO's arm or whatever it it's, is. <laughs> yeah, it's just like kind of sadistic in their own way. Yeah. And like, you know, Ugnaughts are explored. Like, you know, some of them, I guess some of them could speak basic. Uh-huh. But for the most part, they kind of have like a very like, like they have a very like soft spoken, like childish voice. Yeah. You know, in their own language. Yeah. You know. And, yeah, that's, that doesn't quite sound you know, as something that we would recognize as like a human voice. Well, yeah. So to get to that, I, who knows what's going to happen here? Because obviously they can't make Nick Nolte into an Ugnaught and just, yeah. they can't do the force perspective thing they did with Lord of the Rings. Right. right. And I, yeah. And I don't think they would in like a TV show such as that. No, but I mean, can you imagine an Ugnaught having Nick Nolte's voice? And Nick Nolte's <laughs> voice is very surly yeah, kind of baritone yeah, voice. Yeah. So you can imagine that it's going to be kind of like, it's going to be kind of silly. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what the like final product of that's going to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to be exciting. And, uh, you know, with that, you know, we're still, we're going to keep an eye out for more information coming out on that. It's going to be an exciting show. Um, to round this out just a little bit more, we got a couple more items. Um, some more updates for Battlefront 2. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> 
you know, like so I'll say this. I I don't know how much you've like gotten back into playing it at all. Okay. I I tried a little bit uh like once uh, they added Grievous and Obi-Wan and I mean it was fun. I mean it's yeah. still a really fun experience and like I don't feel like it's gotten to this point where it's unplayable. But boy, the servers are a little bit scarce. It's like, oh I, god! I wish they could have done this maybe like six months ago. Yeah, I mean, um, you think about it, a lot of people are jumping onto you know more games now than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I mean, I mean, maybe it was a bad time because it was pro- you know I was probably playing it like right around when Red Dead hit and, yeah. and like COD hit and other all these know, triple A's you big know. titles. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, to be fair with anybody else, yeah, I mean. You, a lot of people, you and I included, are probably still playing Red Dead for you know just for sh- for you know just for fun. <laughs> I didn't say it. No, we're good. We're just we're playing it for kicks. Yes. There you go. That's a good yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm two percent away from finishing Epilogue Two. Yes. So. There you go. Yeah. So you're you're on the way there. Yes. So that's not bad. Man. But yeah, I'll probably jump back in, you know, and, and kind of screw around with it some more. Even oh, for a- sure. After that's done. I mean, for me, like I said, I, I I just finished like all the DLC and everything for Spider-Man. I uh, I still have to play like Assassin's Creed and all that kind of stuff. Like finish that up, and I'm I'm going to pick up Ace Combat after this. So like I my my repertoire is full. Plus, I haven't even opened freaking Spyro. So, you know, like I've, <laughs> I've go. got, yeah, I got a lot on my plate. You yeah. know what I mean? But regardless, like I do want to try it, particularly because with this update, they're actually going to be bringing none other than Count Dooku and Anakin Skywalker into it. Yeah. So, Which is, I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm hyped for that because, I mean, I feel like that's been a pretty big omission not having Anakin and not having Dooku as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in that respect, like both characters are going to be done by their Clone War actors. Yes. Like their voice actors. Yeah. So, you're gonna so have it'll to... sound good. Yes. Yeah, so it'll <laughs> sound perfect. You know, it'll sound somewhat familiar and everything. Uh, I have to say, so, you know, we were talking about like the, like the taunts or the, like the different expressions for the characters. Right. Very first one I got with Obi-Wan. Hello there. Hello there. I'll tell you what, yeah, uh, Brandon, our, our friend from uh, Games in That Podcast, uh, you know, he did the quiz with us and everything. Mm. He actually texted that to me the one day. He's like, just a little sound bite of it. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's like, yeah. we predicted it. It's like, oh, it's come true. And like, I feel like it's the first one that you can even get. Like, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And like, and so as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, I'll spend a few credits on that. Or Come on, so. why not? Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. But yeah, so I mean, like, it's there, it's going to be over like the next couple months that they're going to be dropping that. Yeah. And they're going to have like a couple other things, you know, you like XP bonuses here and there and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you guys haven't picked it up for a while, like, people still are playing it, you know, and I mean, I hope that some more people could pick it up because, like, you know, it, it plays all right and everything. Yeah. Like, the only thing that it really suffers from is just it's, it's this enigma around it. Yeah. You know, like, just all of the controversy from the launch. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It just really kind of, you know, run it, ran it off of the rails, if you will. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, like I actually talked about it. I talked about it with Brandon a little bit as well, you know, and I, yeah. I defer to him in terms of like gameplay mechanics and stuff. Oh, for sure. But he was like, yeah, you know what? Like this game plays nice. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, I kind of felt the same way about the original Battlefront, not the original original, but the first one. Right. Uh, like the first yeah. new EA, EA Battlefront. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like once you actually got it down, cause I, you know, each FPS has to have its own flavor to how it plays, you know. Not everything could play like Call of Duty, not everything could play like Battlefield, you yeah. know. And like once you got it down, like it's it is like it's perfect in its mm-hmm. own way. Yeah. But yeah, I'll agree with you. Let's leave it to Brandon and Andrew. Check them out, Games and App Podcast. Yes. <laughs> so giving you guys a plug, you know. But all the same, 
Um, yeah, yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll be excited to actually try it out because I definitely jump back into it. And this would actually be kind of a good topic to jump into at some point in a different podcast. The the campaign. Yeah. Like we never really talked about the campaign and like all the implications between you know at you know post Jedi pre force awakens and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because that's exactly where the campaign itself takes place so you know maybe we should jump back into that later on yeah because i I don't know i've I've never actually gotten your thoughts on it so yeah i don't Mm -hmm. know we can do that put it in the uh in the thought bank yes uh but for the last piece of uh star wars news uh we brought up on the last pod uh the star Wars or the star wars theory vader fan film yes shards of the past is that it yes correct i know i got it wrong the last time so (laughs) I i wanted to cover myself but uh, apparently the uh, the guy at Star Wars Theory was uh, getting sued, or there was like a claim laid against him. Yeah, right? there was there was a uh, copyright hit oh. filed that he had infringed on the copyright of the music. Right, and um, it's it turned out that like the music was composed by somebody else. It wasn't yeah. actually like a Star Wars piece at all. Yeah. So I mean, like. It turned into this whole big thing, and like now they were trying to monetize his channel. Like Disney, I think, was actually trying to monetize. Yeah, his yeah, channel. Disney was monetizing his his channel. Oh, which, I mean, it's yeah, a pain. Yeah, I mean, and it's like you know, I, I think often, you know, I mean, I've I've I talk about how we make a conscientious point to not talk about you know any of the kind of like BS controversies around Star Wars, right? Um, you know, which I think we've done a good job of, but like, this is one of those things where like Disney is definitely not earning any goodwill with anybody. Right. No, now. no, no, no. Like they, you know, they, they already, like I said, like you, you know, we, we wouldn't talk about it regardless, but you know, they already have some bad blood in the community after the last yeah. couple projects that they put out. Yeah. And this was an honest to God fan driven, you know, fan film, mm-hmm. you know, and like the, the, the the guy at Star Wars Theory he went through all the processes he went to Lucasfilm and act you know asked for the permission and they gave him the blessing and everything like that yeah. you know like he wasn't trying to make as much money off of this or anything like yeah. that he wasn't trying well, to was, make a career out of it yeah. or anything you know yeah. it's just he wanted to tell a story yeah I mean as I understand it like the summary of events like really briefly is like you know so he kind of he went to Lucasfilm and said hey you know can I have your blessing to use like the Star Wars characters we're going to use Vader we're going to use Padme, we're going to use the Emperor. Young um, Anakin. Yeah, and young Anakin, etc. Um, you know, but... And, and so he said, he asked for that, and they said, that's fine, you can't use any of the original music, and you can't monetize it. Right. So, like, he had to... And I think he couldn't crowdfund it as well, is another thing that I yeah, said. So, yeah. like, he... like So, basically, he paid for everything out of pocket. Which, I mean, that's insane to think, that, like, yeah. something of that quality. Yeah, something that high quality was paid for out of pocket. A lot of favors called in, I imagine. I would imagine so, yeah. And, uh, you know, and everything's great. Uh, the video's up to about seven and a half million views or something like that. Which is great. Yeah. Because, <laughs> it I mean, like I said, it deserves all the praise it can get. Because I, I love that movie and I, I applaud it. I yes. watch it every chance I get. Yeah. And I, I implore anyone else who hasn't had a chance to watch it, please watch it. Yeah. Because, I mean, it'll, it'll, I mean, even if you're not, like, the, the most present, you know, Star Wars fan, if you're just a passing fan, you're still going to enjoy at least the first few minutes of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, yeah, truly, even if you don't want to watch like the last, I don't know, seven or eight minutes, the first 10 are like so good. Yeah. Like, I mean, you haven't seen anything that looks quite this good in a while. Yeah. And like <laughs> I said, considering it's a fan film, that's yeah. just, that's outstanding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But 
So, uh, so anyway, you know, Disney basically files this copyright complaint yeah. uh, along with Warner Chapel, who does the music, like who has the music copyright. And uh, and then they actually started monetizing on his page. And I think they got like something like 80,000 views, which probably would fall below the threshold for actually earning any money, especially so. for a company like Disney. Yeah. Um, uh, but then Lucas. Pittance. Yeah. But so I guess now it kind of ends up maybe a little bit on a more positive note that Lucasfilm has since stepped back in and said, no, we approved this. Yes. Like, this is fine. All is well. Carry on. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that won't have any uh, bad implications with the future installments. I would hope not. Yeah. Like, I, like, I'm, like I said, I'm happy that it's, it's kind of coming out on the good side of it because, you know, as much as much work as that guy put into it, he doesn't deserve all this kind of backlash. Yeah, you know, he followed the guidelines, so yeah, yeah why exactly. shouldn't he be able to, you know, just share yeah. his love of Star Wars with everybody else? Yeah, exactly, and that's why it's just like I don't know, you know, like Disney, don't don't do this. Like that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just like yeah, exactly. We yeah, we said enough. That's just it, it is what it is. But because I know you're listening, Disney. <laughs> I know you're listening, Bob Iger. Oh God. Hi, Bob. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. Um, so, Andrew, I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great segue. Have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis? Uh, n- no. Well, it's a story the Jedi wouldn't tell you. I can tell you that much. <laughs> so... Let's jump right into it, shall we? Yes, I let's know. Do it. That was a good segue. Come it on, was, it wasn't. No, it was too good because <laughs> it, it was so like direct that I knew what was coming that I couldn't help but like just lose it. All right, well, all right. Let's get into this sucker. Today's big topic: the review of Star Wars, Darth Plagueis. Yes, uh, a book written by James Lucino, and he's written a number of Star Wars titles. Yes, uh, he's one of my favorite authors, honestly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, the book itself was actually released all the way back in uh, January tenth, uh, two thousand twelve. Yeah, but so, what's actually interesting about that is it was one of probably the last like EU uh, books. Yes, yeah, I think it was like practically right before the like the acquisition itself, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and there was a bunch of things about how like the book itself was actually going to be canceled like they just decided it wasn't going to happen and all of a sudden it got rejuvenated and all this kind of stuff and uh it turned out to be a big deal uh you know a lot of people just kind of held it up in high regard yeah myself included like yeah. i said I, I i talk day and night about this book yeah well and i feel like this book kind of personifies a lot of like you know like kind of when you talk about things within star wars um you know you talk about how you can literally tell like with every line and every sentence in the story, you can yeah. tell like another story. Yeah. And yeah. this is like a perfect example of them doing that. Oh yeah. It's and, just, yeah. So basically it takes that line from episode three where, uh, Palpatine asks Anakin, have you heard the tale of Darth Plagueis the wise? And James Lucino is like listening in the theater and he's just like, oh, and he I can do that. Yeah. He gets That's his story for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um the book itself like i said it, it's a it's a crazy um series of events but you know in at some points i will admit like you know if for the avid reader like it's it's going to seem a bit down you know yeah. you definitely have to know something about star wars and its history to get a feeling of like nostalgia out of it almost yes but i mean to put it bluntly i think the actual story starts i want to say it's i want to say it's about like 70 years to 
prior to BBY, 60 to 70 years. Yeah, that sounds right. I believe it's like 55 years before the events of uh, Phantom Menace. Right, because the whole idea is that it's um, it's like about a 50-year reign for Darth Plagueis. Yeah. So um, the way... For anyone who doesn't know how the Sith work, and we'll just we'll jump right into this. Yes. Um, the Sith work by the rule of two, at least in the Bane era, the Bane legacy. Yes. Uh, Darth Bane instilled the idea that there shall only be two Sith at any given time. No yeah. more, no less. Yes. One master to have the power and one apprentice to crave said power. Yes. And so we pick up in this, at the beginning of the story with... Plagueis being that apprentice, and he has a Bith Sith master, which is already an interesting thing. Uh, wow, I can't believe you said that so cleanly. Bith? Bith Sith. Yeah. Oh, God, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I just was so excited about it today. Uh, but anyways, yeah. His name was uh, Darth Tenebris, and yes. uh, he, uh, you know, he found – there's a whole story about how – he came about finding uh, Plagueis himself and all their exploits leading up to the beginning and whatnot. But um, essentially, he does what every apprentice does and decides he doesn't need his master anymore. And uh, from there on, it's Plagueis' rise at, to the rank of Sith Master, the sole master mm-hmm. in the entire galaxy, and how he goes about doing his ultimate goal of eternal life. Yes. So, And that's a big thing for a lot of Sith. Like... Um, I actually, I, I finished reading, uh, you know, the, the next book in the Bane series, The Rule of Two. Uh-huh. And so I got a lot more, like, history under me about, like, how the, you know, the Sith actually started in the Bane era. Yeah. And... You're, I will say, you're going to be stronger in that than me, because I've actually not read, like, the Bane books. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, like, I mean, I'm aware of the Sith imperative. Right. But, like, I'm, I would not call myself, like, a, a subject matter expert on that. All right, I'll give you this. Like, I... Like I said, I read the first one, and like I just picked up the second one recently, and uh, or finished it rather. And I, it's it's interesting to think about, like you know, because the Sith are always going to be in danger of exposure. Like the whole idea is they have to work with secrecy and seclusion and whatnot. And all of a sudden, it's like it's Bane gets into trouble, you know, and he has his apprentice, and like she gets into trouble. And I'm thinking to myself, like. You just started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, you yeah, cannot all, end right now. All for, yeah, all for a good narrative. But, like, I do, there is something that's, like, you know, maybe, like, Bane doesn't actually have to be that important of a character. Or, like, yeah. you could have somebody else who, like, starts the rule of two, but, like, Bane is the apprentice or something like that. Re- like, yeah, something along those lines. So, it, I mean, it's a whole thing. But regardless, like, you see that, like, through the history after Bane itself, because... Yeah, like there's three books in his series. You know, mm-hmm. I'm only at book two, but like all the Sith masters who come after him, they all have certain abilities and certain goals to the point where, like, beyond just being able to produce lightning and whatnot from your fingers, you can actually have like Sith sorcery. Mm-hmm. You know, and that his apprentice is actually like good at like the spells and stuff like that. Yeah. Fast forward all the way to the time of Tenebris and Plagueis. Tenebris is more of the scientific mind. Yes. And he instills that into Plagueis himself. Yes. And in that respect, Plagueis decides that his whole idea is he's going to research everyone's favorite topic, Metachlorians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I brought this up before about this book. Like, they do a very good job of explaining exactly what Metachlorians are and how they work to the point where I think even, like, early on in the book, Plagueis des- describes the you know, the subject matter of Metachlorians as being like overshadowed by everyone thinking that they're this, 
you know, this thing that lives inside your cells, where it's actually like, no, it's it's the force living in you. And like he gives a very good explanation of it. Right? Yeah. 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 It's a much like it's honestly the best explanation. I wish I actually had like I don't actually own a copy of the book. I actually just borrowed it from the library. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. Um, because I, I tried to buy it, but they didn't have it like at the Barnes and Noble that I was at when I was looking. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, okay, I will go literally up the street from where I work to the library. <laughs> That's cool. That they had it. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I was kind of surprised as well. But uh, and like they actually had it like on the shelf. That's like, nice. Like not even like, oh, I had to request a transfer and then wait another two weeks or whatever. But um, yeah. So yeah. with that, like I said, it, it, they the whole idea is that he is studying metachlorians and how to manipulate said metachlorians. Yes. And that is his life goal is to eventually, uh, you know, work the metachlorians within himself to keep himself alive indefinitely. Yes. And his whole goal by, you know, to, throughout this book is to extend his life indefinitely and to extend his rule indefinitely. Like his right. idea is that Bane's rule of two ends with him. There shall no longer be any more things. So he wants to prevent like the death of himself when he eventually gets an apprentice yes. by doing all this. Yes. So fast forward through all this other kind of stuff and you find out that, you know, he's a very successful mune by the name of Hugo Damask. Yes. And, uh, you know, you'll, you, you'll learn that like everyone has their, you know, their, their Darth title and then their real name. And then like everyone just bounces back and forth and stuff yes. like that. And, uh, you know, Hugo Damask is a very... Not popular in a sense, but like he's very well known. He's incredibly influential. Incredibly influential, incredibly rich. Yes, uh, and that's a big thing for all mutants uh, of that you know of, of that species. They uh, they're known as either bankers or lawyers. You yes. know, like they basically run the money throughout the galaxy. Yeah. So yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're familiar with the Clone Wars, um, they are. The be- like they basically have a monopoly on the banking clan. Yes, yes. Um, and they're these kind of very, very tall, like long faced, long necked, uh, no nose. Yeah, like very flat face um, kind of people that you you see them in a few episodes in the Clone Wars. You see, I, I think you actually see one in Attack of the Clones. Uh, yeah, that sounds mistaken. right as well. Yeah, when they're at the the table and everything. Uh-huh. I think it's like right before the techno union guy talks. Yeah, that's it's like the bacon clan will gladly support the separatists or whatever. Like he sounds so snobby, but it's like yeah. I guess that's how mutants are supposed to be because they, uh, yeah. they have a very high opinion of themselves or something yeah. like that. So yeah. yeah, and like they're you know they they are blessed with superior intelligence. Like they are able to do a lot of like uh, you know extremely complicated ma- like math problems like by mm-hmm. you know just within uh you know by mental math basically exactly and uh and they do and they have extended lifespans already uh like they're they typically will live you know 200 plus years yes um you know so so it's kind of interesting like from that perspective because like the character of Plagueis and and he, and he go to masks like by the time he even becomes a master he's decently old oh well yeah to the point where I mean, we'll get into this right now when he actually introduces himself to the young palpatine yes uh palpatine asks him he's like how old are you exactly and he goes in human years i would be well over 100 yes so that that right there should just tell you how much like how much like intellect and power and everything he has underneath yeah. him because like it, like Palpatine even says as much. He's like, I envy you with that. Just all the things you must have seen and done, you yeah. know, and still yeah. have yet to do. Yeah, and his like, and 
like, and I feel like that is a good summary of his of Plagueis's character as well. Is that he is extremely patient. Yes, you know he like he really, you know, he kind of appreciates what he has and what he's trying to accomplish, and it kind of understands that, you know, playing the long game will be far more successful to the Sith imperative, right? Uh, than like you know, kind of actually basically doing what Palpatine eventually does. Yes, which and- is kind of collect all of the power for himself yes. in a very ostentatious way. And so the whole cusp of the story is actually once he finds Palpatine and starts to train him as his apprentice, mm-hmm. eventually it's going to lead into him taking the chancellorship. Yes. You know, and everyone knows how that goes after that. But yeah. this is the story about how he comes to power as, you know, not only just like an ambassador, but a senator and just this big figure in, you know, just galactic politics in general. Yeah, he's like a like, Plagueis himself is a very shadowy figure. Yes, uh, he works like he works behind the scenes to actually set up all these things and put them into motion and everything like that. And yeah. like, that's what makes this story so amazing. And like I said, like, I feel like after reading this book, going back and actually watching like the Phantom Menace, it kind of puts a whole other perspective on. Yeah, it. like it really does in a way that we don't get. That I mean, I don't personally necessarily feel with a lot of the stories. In a way, you could say like it's probably all, almost all the prequels in general. Yeah, because his like, his actions do reverberate yeah. through the three yeah. movies. Yeah, I mean it's truly not limited to just the Phantom Menace. Yeah, uh, I mean there's definitely a big um, a, a huge tie-in with Attack of the Clones. Yes, um, and again, you know, kind of his his whole origin, you know, point of origin is in Revenge of the Sith. So. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so it's I mean it's it is a bit ridiculous. It's like. Um, I'm trying to think of how they actually put this, but there are a number of, you know, characters that are, you know, brought up in the story that are actually from the prequels that are famous from the prequels. Yeah. Uh, most notably, probably Jedi master. And I say Jedi master Dooku rather yes. than count Dooku. Yes. Now at this time, Dooku has not left the Jedi order. No. And, uh, you know, he's still an influential character in the Jedi order to the point where they offered him, you know, a, a seat on the council and he declined. Yes. You know what I mean? So his whole deal is like, you know, he, he's kind of like disappointed with the way that the council's acting and how the Senate's going, all this kind of stuff. And he's, it, there's a point in the book where he's given thought to leaving the Jedi order. Yeah. And it kind of sets up his, you know, his, uh, story arc into becoming Count Dooku and, uh, Darth Tyrannus later on. Correct. Did you say yeah. Tyrannus or Tyrannus? Uh, I mean, I probably say Tyrannus, but yeah, yeah. There's people but... that say Tyrannosaur. It's like, nah. yeah, I say T Rex. <laughs> yeah. All right, either way, Darth T. Let's say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but there's that, and then uh, our favorite character's name to pronounce, Master. I'll say it. you say it. <laughs> it's Siphodius. Siphodius. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. Like I said, Siphodius. Uh, he is uh, in the book as well as Qui-Gon Jinn. And like yes. all three of those characters are actually in a meeting with like Plagueis, i.e. Hugo Damask at the one point, And they're, mm. you know, they're having all these conversations. Yes. And if anyone doesn't remember, Sifo-Dyas is actually uh, the name that's dropped whenever Obi-Wan goes to Kamino yes. to track down Jango Fett and discovers the clone army. Yes. It said that the order was placed by the Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas. Yes. And they they can't understand it because Sifo-Dyas has gone die. He's gone missing some years ago. Uh-huh. And like that's a whole other story where no one really knows what's going on. Yes. But if it wasn't for Plagueis actually inserting this into his head more or less 
Yeah. There, there, it's kind of it's kind of like left up in the air how it works out. Yes. But he gives him like the first idea on how to do it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of again, it's actually fascinating in a sense because like. It, once again, it's like a, this kind of perfectly subtle manipulation, whereas like Sifo-Dyas really is kind of like a I mean, he's a true pacifist. Like right. he believes that the Jedi are already too involved in like resolving conflict by fighting. Not and, as much as Dooku, obviously, but right. they're close friends that he is the lighter side of that argument. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and so basically his like point of view is that like they need an army that can actually be dispatched where diplomatic talks cannot, you know, bring success. Exactly. And basically Damask is like, well, what if I said I would pay for it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's like, who would, you know, who would pay for an army that may never need, you know, used? I would. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just puts it right out there because... Damascus has that like insane amount of wealth. Yeah, you know, and it, it's insane to just think about how far that actually goes. Yeah, but let's get back to uh, real quick, just his like his actual studies. Sure, uh, Plagueis. So as I was saying before, like his master Darth Tenebris, mm-hmm. uh, who is a Bith, um, the Bith Sith. <laughs> Bith Sith. Yeah. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, Bith are the uh, the creatures that are playing in the band. Uh, in the cantina scene in the New Hope, yes, like that, you know, yeah. Max Rebo, cre- yeah, the, not Max Rebo. That's the elephant guy. Wait. Or am I thinking wrong? No, I thought that. Oh no, you might be right. Yeah, the man, we got a king tonight, man. That guy, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. One from I think it was like Robot Chicken. Oh, yeah. we got a king tonight, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, they give what's, but they give a name to. Th- like the guy from the Bith band too. I don't know. Uh, are you still are you still reading? Um, yeah, like, I think that's actually where I'm at. Is it's, like, it's the Bith band. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what their names are, but I know what you're talking about. I I'm almost certain that Max Rebo is the Blue Elephant guy. Yeah, I think you're right. Keyboard. Yeah. All right. So sorry. Side <laughs> sidetracking sorry, yeah. all this stuff. I'm sorry. Um, it's all my fault. Oh, you're good. But yeah. So his his master uh, Bith are known for being like very scientifically. Um, renowned and everything like that. And so, like, he used all of his science and technology to actually... Ah. Were you right? No, it's figuring Dan in the modal nodes. There it is. That's a... <laughs> Brandon, if you're listening, that's a trivia question for <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the Bith band is named what? Figuring Dan in the modal nodes. Do you know what type of music they play? I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I not, I don't know if I should say it because this is a, <laughs> it's it's jizz. It's jizz music. That's correct. <laughs> it's all right. It sounds like jazz, but it can't be jazz because it's from outer space. So it's jizz. It's jizz. <laughs> <laughs> We're lucky they just didn't go for spunk music. Yeah. Spunk rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyways, enough dirty jokes. All right. <laughs> anyways, um. So Plagueis, <laughs> yes, uh, his master was all about science and yada yada yada. The Bith are known for doing yeah. science and yada yada yada. Yeah. His, uh, <laughs> so Tenebris and Darth Aaron uh, Rudus Gnome is his real name. Yeah, uh, he's a famous shipbuilder. Yes, to the point where he actually made the Scimitar. Yes, which uh, if anyone doesn't know is Darth Maul's ship. Yes, and if you're playing Battlefront, it's one of the best hero ships you can get out there because yeah. that sucker could be invisible. Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, and so like he's 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 actually famous for you know 
like developing and honing like you know the cloaking beacon if you will and all this kind of stuff and you know to that point he passed a lot of the scientific you know knowledge that he has on to uh Plagueis himself and Plagueis decides to use that by he had like see he's so rich that he actually bought himself a moon right and so he has this retreat on this moon of sojourn sojourn and um, on this moon, he like he has a number of different types of species, creatures, and just alien species in general. And he does all these different experiments on them, trying to not only like work on their metachlorians, but like to the point where he has this one you know creature in a in a vat that he'll constantly kill and bring back to life with the power of the metachlorians he has inside him. Yes. And this is where it explores the idea that metachlorians are still they reside in everything. Yes. It may not be an abundance of them. But metachlorians are inside everyone. Yes. And there, I mean, there's points where he uses the metachlorians to slowly zap the life out of people and kill them here and there and stuff like that. Or he could task them to save their life, you know, and it, it leads all ultimately to, you know, the end of the tale, the tragedy, the tale of the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, where he says, in the end, you know, he could save others from death, but not himself. Right. So, spoiler. <laughs> yes. If someone needs yeah. that. Yeah, spoiler for the end of this book. <laughs> Darth Plagueis dies. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but anyways. Mm. So get back into it, yeah. So it, besides following Plagueis, it also follows, uh, you know, Darth uh, Darth Sidious. I was going to say Darth Palpatine. <laughs> Darth Sidious's rise and, you know, his, his initial apprenticeship and, like, his role as, you know, apprentice to Darth Plagueis and how he becomes, you know, Senator, ambassador, all the way up to the chancellorship with the help of Plagueis himself. Yes. And there's also even like a small origin story for everyone's favorite Zabrak, Darth Maul. Yes. Apparently he was found as a baby. Yes. You know, so he's known nothing but hate since then. Right. Which does tie into that. I mean, like, I feel like we see a lot of that kind of played out, even in like the new, you know, in actual canon sources. Right. uh, you know, like the Marvel comics run on him. Yeah, like he's he's just a kid. Yeah, you know, like at yeah. times, and like it's not even to the point where he stole him when he was four years old. Like, no, he was literally gifted to him, like a yeah, as a baby, as a baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, and uh, the, go ahead. Well, and I was just gonna say, I mean, and I feel like that continues even into like his Clone Wars role and and Rebels. Not that I'm there yet, but but no. Uh, well, so they bring up Townsend. Yes. And, uh, you know, Mother Townsend is a big part of yeah. the Clone Basi- Wars. Yeah. And, like, and basically, he is, like, his mother, like, wants to give him away so that Townsend can't get a hold of him. Exactly. Because she knows how powerful he could be. Yes. And if you watch Clone Wars, you know what he does to Darth Maul's brother and yada, yada, yada. So yep. it's like, it's a whole big thing. Yes. Uh, but that's, again, a topic for another day. Um, so it, it's it's a great story through and through. And it, it, does cover a lot of stuff where you didn't even think like, oh, I guess that does make sense. You know, like it fills in a lot of these little plot holes here and there. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's what I loved about it so much was the fact that like it gave that much more depth to all these different characters. One of the biggest mysteries of Attack of the Clones was Master Sifo-Dyas uh-huh. and exactly what happened to him and why he did what he did. And like, here's your answer. It's yes. right here. Yeah. Um, and the fact of the matter is when this book no longer became canon, like it hurt. Like, I felt yeah. my heart split in two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, it, it doesn't make sense. I always make the argument about, like, you know, the old Republic. Like, it happened so long ago, it shouldn't matter. But this book technically happened right before the Phantom Menace, so it shouldn't matter. Right. Until we get to this point, which is all the points that actually make it. Not all of them, but at least a few of yeah. the most notable ones. Yeah. That make it non-canon. You want to start us off? 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, one of the primary items uh, that that's been pretty well, that's a very prevalent in a lot of the EU canon, right? Uh, if you will, is a couple of creatures that were originally introduced in the Thrawn trilogy. Our favorite book. Yes. <laughs> Our favorite character. Yeah. Uh, uh, which are the Yasalamar and the Vornskers. Yeah. Yes. And the way that works is the Yasalamar are uh, they are like. They're a Force-sensitive creature, and the Voinskers actually hunt them through the forest. They're able to sense where they are and go after them, you know, wherever they reside. But the idea behind the uh, Islamar is whenever they, uh, you know, detect a predator, they can actually nullify the Force. Yeah. And so technically they can hide in plain sight, in other words. Yeah, yeah. So in the same way that, you know, some sea turtle... Or well, maybe not a sea turtle, but <laughs> like some sea creatures can just like hide, mm-hmm. like can completely camouflage themselves in a completely naturalistic way. Yes, these creatures basically do the same thing, except they hide from the force. Yes. So, and so the whole reason we bring this up is because they're mentioned. They're actually some of the creatures that Plagueis does research on. Yes, because he wants to understand how their force sensitivity works. Because uh-huh. eventually, he wants to actually use this nullifying of the force in his purposes towards eventually his revenge of the Sith, you know, going right. against the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's which, like one of his major plans for how to nullify the the thousands of Jedi that are out there. Exactly. And, I mean, to keep going on the idea of, you know, the Thrawn trilogy, <laughs> uh, a character that is prevalent in the Thrawn trilogy is also mentioned in this book, mm-hmm. Joris Sabaoth. Yes. Uh, he is a Jedi Knight. And uh, he plays, you know, he plays a really big role in the, you know, in the Tron trilogy. So we won't get into that uh-huh. until we decide to do a review of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's mentioned by name and like, you know, his whole disposition that like ultimately leads to where he is at that time is kind of like touched upon as well. Uh-huh. And so with that and with the uh, the Vornskers and the uh, Yasalamir, it that kind of just kills it because obviously everything that happened after Return of the Jedi, i.e., the Thrawn trilogy, no longer exists, and it's like, come on, <laughs> yeah, such yeah. a small detail. It's pretty small details, uh, and like, I mean, there are like, I was raising the point that there, they do delve into some of the other like Sith history that would also be considered non-canon, right? Um, like, I, there's like one particular uh, Sith that like basically has a change of heart. Yeah. And like tries to destroy all of the Sith records and Sith teachings and and I mean and, I, like he taught and like Plagueis blames that character primarily for like destroying you know and and making him start from scratch in terms of how to sustain life and how to create life yeah, and, and, and those things. Had he not done all this, the secrets would have been unlocked by now and yada yeah. yada yada. No, it's true. I mean, it's it's insane to think that like you know they they. It, that's one of those points where it's like it's so far back it shouldn't matter yeah. like anything prior to the phantom menace i felt like should have been just left alone because in a lot of ways it shouldn't you know it just shouldn't touch it you know yeah. it, it shouldn't touch the main story at all this book however is integral to how the phantom menace even starts yeah and that's kind of where i was like why why though like why not make it canon right you know yeah and it's like just just play off this stuff like it doesn't have to fall you know yaslamir and vornskers and joris sabayoth they could They're all exist important. yeah, yeah they, well exactly especially if we're already going to play the card where like oh yeah but but thrawn like you know yeah, is, yeah. is totally cool you just <laughs> no no idea yeah uh, but i mean even at the same vein like you know they they have the book of um uh, I bring up all the time outbound flight. 
Yeah. Which is, you know, it's Joris's story. Yeah. Uh, you know, they could just leave that as is and yeah. then cut everything off and after the, Jedi. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, exactly. Cause like, there's not really, there's not a lot of plot holes necessarily there. So long as you can accept the outbound flight just goes out and never comes back. That's exactly <laughs> it. It turns into a ghost story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, uh, let's see here. The only other thing I had was, um, they mentioned, uh, both the Bogan and the Ashla, which you have right. brought up before. Yeah. And like, you know, to me, that's like a G canon thing. I mean, that's not really a thing anymore, but like basically, you know, the old rules of Star Wars prior to the Disney acquisition was if George Lucas says it's a thing, it's, it's a, thing. a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it, he has final say, bro. Yeah. Um, you know, great. Like, George has spoken. Yes. Which is why we can have, you know, the E.T. aliens in the Galactic Senate. Exactly. And, Bombing their heads. No. <laughs> yeah. Vote of no confidence. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that was but like that was a thing of his, you know, that it was originally going to be the Ashla and the Bogan. So, like, just right. let it be. Yeah. And like, it, Ashla, like, Ashla being the light side, Bogan being the dark, the dark. side. Yeah. And it, that was the initial beginnings of the Jedi Order. Not yes. Jedi, the yeah. Jedi. Yeah. And it, it's a whole With another, an extra A in there. Yeah. A and an I. And, and an extra I at the end. Yeah. With an apostrophe or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah it's, I think it's, yeah, it's like J apostrophe E D A I I. Right, yeah, and so, and so I mean, like to make things just bluntly short, it's they were all good, and then some of them were bad, and then they went to Bogan, which I guess was like a moon or something like that, yeah, and then that was the dark side place, and yes, thus the creation was there, and that's a whole other story for another day, yeah. But and then, uh, I, mean, can, I don't know, candidly, I feel like we're still kind of maybe going back that, like I still feel like Disney is ultimately going to take us back to that point. Potentially in right. episode nine. Maybe. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you're going like, to get to the roots of everything, yeah, it's time to let the old ways die or something like that. It's yeah. like, maybe not all of them because yeah. it's like this book is pretty dang good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But I mean, yeah. So otherwise, you know, I mean, there's so much in this book to actually unpack. I mean, they they, they talk about the, you know, the, the ruling population, you know, the, the ruling system of Naboo. Like, you know, we've always jagged about, like, <laughs> yeah. how they elect a king, but senators are, like, lifetime appointments and stuff yeah. like that. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and then to the point where this is probably the most potential spoiler, I guess, of it. Um, so if anyone doesn't want to hear this now, you know, leave. I know it, we've talked a bunch about it, so... There's a chance that Plagueis might actually be the father of Anakin Skywalker <laughs> in this book. Yes. Uh, and so to that end, what we mean is um, he and Sidious uh, were, you know, they were they were molesting the power of the dark side so much and just making it so, like bend to their will so badly that eventually the force fought back yes and they decided that they need this chosen one if you will and that's where shmi skywalker happens to become pregnant with a child with no father and she's conceived by the force conception exactly yeah it turns into this whole freaking thing but i i was always of the theory and you and i were just talking about this before that early on in the book it stated that um plagueis actually has dealings with uh um, Gardula, Gardula the Hut, and Gardula happened to be the owner of Shmi Skywalker, and yes. thus Anakin Skywalker. And so, does that mean that Plagueis maybe got some slaves off Gardula in lieu of payment that he used on Sojourn to adjust the Metaclorians? Because there are also points in the book where 
Palpatine presents all these other creatures in, in Sojourn yes. that have been, <laughs> it's going to sound stupid, pregnatized. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have been given pregnancy through the Force, yes. in other words. <laughs> pregnatized. Yeah. <laughs> it is like, there's this kind of, I, like, I don't even, like, I don't know what that parable is. Because, like, I can't hardly think of, like, an, that being, like, a story. Like, it's, it, it's interesting, to say the least. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I feel like the repercussions of it are, are very weird. But, yeah, I mean, I and, like, I feel like the way that you even described it here, like, is, like, that it's not even, an, like, you know, so the way that I read it, at least the way, you know, in my kind of interpretation, was that, like, Palpatine believes mm-hmm. that through Plagueis's manipulations of the Force and his conjuring of power and just, like, you know, consolidating his base as well and kind of, like, you know forcing like the the dark side to rise right. in a way that it hasn't in many millennia. Yeah, it was almost ready to actually tip over. Yeah, they were know? actually near the Sith imperative. In They're fact, probably probably if themselves. he doesn't kill Plagueis that might actually happen, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. It it, uh, <laughs> it turned into this whole thing. Yeah. Um but, yeah. Uh, but like he's kind of of the mind that the force actually responds. That, you know, that the midichlorians kind of, like, come together and create this being that will be, bring balance to the Force that is the actual Chosen One. That is Anakin. That is Anakin. And, yeah. But, I mean, I almost think it would be more interesting if, like, you know, Plagueis was actually experimenting directly on Shmi and had no idea what he had actually done. Right. It just turns into this whole inverted thing to the point where, in the book, when he discovers Anakin... He says this line. He says, "Have we undone ourselves, or yeah. something like that?" You know, yeah. and to the point where you know, it's like maybe he did do that research. He didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Sent him back to Gardula, and she had the pregnancy there. You know, after the fact, and like Palpatine's of the same mind, where he's like nine years old. You know, conceived by the Force. Like, yeah. it's it goes through his head. Like, was this one of the subjects that he was working on? Like, it it makes sense that he would be the one responsible for it. Yes. I.e. P- Plagueis. Yes. In other words. Yeah. Um, but the whole reason we bring this up is because as of, you know, recent news, yes. uh, neither like, one of us... Seriously, very recent. Like, yeah. in the last two months. Something like that. Probably not even. Probably before Christmas, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it was, like, right before Christmas. The the last issue of uh, the, the, Darth, uh, the Darth Vader uh, comic run yes. revealed that Palpatine is a ver- apparently... Anakin's father <laughs> yeah through the same through, idea yeah yeah using the exact same premise that he manipulated the force into conceiving a child but at the same time it could just be like it was actually Plagueis yeah but, you know <laughs> I think Palpatine's just trying to twist his mind so he's that yeah. much more loyal yeah it's it, it, what do you want you know like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well I agree I mean like we know that Plagueis is a real character I mean right. it's not you know like you can't take him away from being like a an actual canon character. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's there. Yeah. You know that there has been a character named Plagueis. So why not just keep it going? And all the groundwork was laid lovingly down by James Lucino. It's yeah. like, it's there. Yeah. It's all there for you. Just negate everything else. It's, yeah. it's perfect. Like <laughs> it explains so much else about like these first few movies in this entire Skywalker saga yeah. that it's like, of course, because Practically, the entire saga of Skywalker is almost Plagueis' entire extended story. So, I don't yeah. know. This is me just going nuts over yeah. it. I'm sorry. Like like I said, I've been dying to talk Your to you. Your passion is evident. Yes, I've been dying to talk to you about this book forever. 
because it's just ridiculous how much stuff actually goes into it. But we should probably cut it off there. I think um, you know we you know we we've been talking for a good while, and that's that's a pretty solid pod. You think it's solid? I thought it was a boring conversation anyway. Fair enough. Good night, everybody. <laughs>